Thank you, Dan. Thank you, choir and instrumentalists, for leading us so well in worship this morning. I'm happy you're here, certainly grateful for the opportunity to speak to you this morning. You ever, you ever been asked to do something you really didn't want to do? I think we all have. I think we've all had those phone calls. Hey, do you still have your pickup? I don't know if you're busy Saturday, but I'm actually going to be moving, have that panicked moment. Oh no, I'm going through a tunnel and it, I'm in a hailstorm. There's a metal roof on here. If I lose you, I'm sor- uh, sorry. Up, uh, up, uh, got it, up. Uh. Still here. Oh, yeah. How are you doing? Good, and you? Pretty good, pretty good. Hey, we've become pretty good friends, haven't we? Yes, I suppose, I suppose we have. We did go have coffee together a couple years ago. Right, right. So I was just thinking the other day, and our three-year-old Gunther is about to have his first accordion recital, and we were thinking maybe, just maybe, you wanted to come and be a part of that, and thinking, oh, you thought wrong. Thankfully, you've got a backup plan. Aren't we good at backup plans? Aren't we good at having excuses these days? We've always got a thing we could be at. Oh, you know what? Actually, I told my kids we were going to have a, a family night that night, and so we're going to have a game night. And all. You're going to be home? That's fantastic. You can watch our newborn. His name's Damien. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, hold on a second. I just, uh, great. We'll have him there at six. Okay, bye. Thanks. Oh, I'm sorry if your child's name, Gunther or Damien. I'm especially sorry if you have someone in your household who plays the accordion too, so. Hi, it's Janet from the doctor's office. Uh, now that you've hit this age milestone, not only are you getting old, it's time to get this awful test done. We've got a special drink for you to drink and we need you to have that before you come in. Tastes just like Sprite. <laughs> Don't you believe it. When can we get that uh, appointment scheduled for you? You know, actually, I was just looking and I was thinking maybe never, maybe never we could. Oh, there are myriads of examples of things that we get asked to do that we really, we really don't want to do. Sometimes we get asked to do things that we feel like we can't do. I got an email this week to be involved with a musical performance. The email explained the guitar part I would be playing, and it said, I have attached the score. I knew by that phrase alone I was not the person for the job. <laughs> the attachment would have said, color-coded chart for kids, strumming for dummies, I'm your guy, but the score, I knew knew I wasn't going to be able to do that. When my son was little, he was obsessed with tigers, loved tigers so much, so much so that he almost exclusively wore orange for a part of his life. He would carry around a little plastic tiger and the stripes were rubbing off of it because he loved it so much and carried it with him. One day he called me, commissioned me really to complete a work of art. 
He brought me a high-resolution, full-page, glossy photo of a tiger and said, Here, Dad, draw this. After some convincing, I agreed to this task, and I, I honestly really did my best on it, spent time on it, drew it, colored it, this tiger, as best as I could. Finally, the time came for the unveiling of this masterpiece. It was at hand. I revealed the art, and a bit of toddler truth was given to me, very kindly, but directly. Daddy... That's not very good. <laughs> and he was right. It was, in fact, tiger trash. Sometimes we get asked to do things that we feel like we can't do. Sometimes God asks us to do things we really, really don't want to do. Sometimes he asks us to do things we feel we can't do. That's why the call given to Jeremiah resonates with us. We can relate with it. To be fair to Jeremiah, prophecy was never his plan, so his hesitance, his resistance, his reluctance should come as no surprise to us. Jeremiah's dad was a priest. Jeremiah would have also been expected to have served at the altar. In his birthplace, the place where he lived, Anathoth, that was a place that was set aside for priestly families. When Jeremiah was at the playground, the conversation, what do you want to be when you grow up, didn't come up. He was going to be a priest. If things followed the normal course, that would have been his career. And there's probably never been a time where following Jesus and serving God was easy. But to serve God during this time was especially difficult and especially cumbersome for spiritual ministry, and Jeremiah lived in such an age. Jeremiah was born during King Manasseh's reign, undoubtedly the worst king, the most evil king Judah ever had. During this time, man's deeds were depraved. God's words were disregarded and certainly disobeyed. Eventually, Judah would be reigned by a good king in Josiah. The idols were removed. The temple was repaired. The worship of Jehovah was restored. But the people had not turned to the Lord with their whole hearts. Josiah, though he tried, was only able to lead them in reformation and not real revival. After Josiah died, Judah's legacy is littered with leaders who did evil in the sight of the Lord. So Jeremiah comes onto the scene in an incredibly trying time. And the Lord says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I've got a job for you. See, I've appointed you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy and overflow, to build and to plant. I'd like to show you some key thoughts from this powerful passage this morning. And I believe that God's truth has the power to be transformational in our lives. Will you direct your attention to the book of Jeremiah? I'd ask that you give God's word its rightful attention this morning. Turn on or turn in your Bible to Jeremiah chapter one. We'll be reading verses four through 10 together this morning. It says this. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out his hand, touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I've put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms, to pluck up, to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Would you pay special attention to verse 5? Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Jeremiah, I know you. Jeremiah, I made you. The first key thought that I want you to see in this passage is when God says to Jeremiah, I made you. I made you. Jeremiah was no accident, but rather he was planned, thought out, designed by his calling creator. This wasn't a last minute plan where God had ran out of profit options and thought, oh, I guess this Jeremiah kid will have to do. No, Jeremiah was made for this moment. If you're like me, your mind drifts to another passage. The phrasing here is reminiscent of a psalm of David, Psalm 139, where he says, You formed my inward parts. You knit me in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Knitting. To knit something, to form something, to weave something together. Believe it or not, knitting is not just a habit of hipsters. It didn't start with your grandma, it started with God. And when you think about this idea of something being woven together, knit together, if somebody has knit something, they've made it for a purpose, to wrap a new baby in, to keep winter hands warm. They spent time on it. They formed it for use, designated it for a function. And certainly, they know their creation well. An artist knows their work. Jeremiah, before I ever made you, I knew you, I created you, I know you, Jeremiah. This I knew, this Hebrew thought is the most intimate of relationships the way that God would intimately know his creation. See, the sculptor skillfully sculpts, his hands tracing the lines, shaping the curves. The painter painstakingly paints with purpose the masterpiece with careful attention to every stroke. Jeremiah, I created you. I know you better than anyone, better than you know yourself. I made you. The same is true of you. You too bear the unmistakable marks of the master. You were skillfully constructed by the perfect craftsman, like the prophet of old and the king after God's heart. You bear the fingerprints of God, Jeremiah. Jeremiah, I know you. Jeremiah, I made you. Will you look at verse five again? 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I've appointed you a prophet to the nations. God tells Jeremiah, I made you. Then he says, I chose you. I chose you. The idea here is Jeremiah was a chosen instrument. He was made for a specific task. God had singled him out to be his spokesman to Israel. This idea of being set apart is very specific. It's like how the Sabbath was set apart or a priest was set apart or how the furnishings for the tabernacle were special and they were set apart. Remember when you were a kid and you came home, walked in and something smelled so good. Walked in the kitchen, mama, mama, what are you making? Making chocolate chip cookies. Oh, mama, they smell good. They are not for you. (laughs) Mama, we've got those new neighbors down the street. Don't you remember we have the church picnic? You know that family that's having a hard time. These are for them. These are special. You know what it's like to see something that's been set apart. That's how Jeremiah was. Jeremiah, I chose you. I set you apart. You know what it's like to be chosen. We all know what it's like to be chosen. It doesn't take long. If we just imagine for a moment, you can be back at school, back in the gym class, when teams are being picked, wondering if you're going to be You can be back in the science lab hoping that someone is going to pick you as their partner. You can find yourself back on the dance floor in junior high hoping someone will ask you to dance. And if those are your thoughts about the dance floor this morning, I just want to remind you, it's Sunday morning and we're Baptist people. This is not the time or place. (laughs) I'm just kidding. So with a youth pastor friend of mine recently, we were playing sand volleyball with his, his youth group and some of the youth kids were picking teams and he and I were the only two adults in the whole group. Teams start to be picked and they go for a while, several rounds are going and he and I at the same time had that undeniable realization, oh no, it's happening again. They were both looking at each other of like, oh no, we're gonna be, the last one. Thankfully, I think I was chosen because I was taller, and so I went fairly early. The girl didn't know, bless her heart, what she was getting herself into when she, she chose me for her team. To know you're chosen, boy, it changes everything. Jeremiah, I set you apart. I chose you for this task. Believer, You have been chosen. Paul said to the Ephesians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. But see, listen, this, this choosing leads us to a calling. Paul said to Timothy, he who has saved us and called us to a holy calling. 
Listen to the end of our passage again. Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations, over the kingdoms to pluck up, to break down, to destroy, and to overthrow, to build, and to plant. Your calling is not so different. To overthrow an evil kingdom, to testify of coming judgment, to plant the seeds of hope in Christ as we build his kingdom here. See, God has called you and I, like Jeremiah, to be his light in a dark world. It's his calling for your context. Much like Moses, Jeremiah responds to God's appointment with a, a measure of self-doubt. God, do you, do you know how young I am? I'm just a youth. And God, I can't, I can't speak. It wasn't saying that... He was mute or that he couldn't physically talk. He's just saying, I'm, I'm not eloquent. I'm not articulate for this kind of public ministry. He felt ill-prepared to be the ambassador for God to all nations or to these nations. When it comes to serving God, to being used by them, there's not one of us who feels adequate, who feels ready. Who are we to be used by an almighty God, the almighty God? And who is sufficient for these things, asked the Apostle Paul. As he pondered the accountabilities, the responsibility of ministry, Paul then answered his own question, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but sufficiency is of God. Listen to me. God does not make mistakes in his creation, nor does he in his call. Sometimes we choose to live in fear and defiance rather than to walk in faith. And you should be, and I should be aware of my shortcomings, but let's not say that God can't work through us because we have weakness. We ignore the heroes of the faith. Yes, ultimately a faithful cloud of witnesses, yes, but the clouds were not always filled with sunshine and rainbows. The truth is God uses imperfect people to accomplish his, accomplish his purposes here on this earth. We're a lot like Jeremiah. We too can find excuses, can't we? God calls us to things, calls us to do something, we don't want to or don't feel like we can do it. Our hearts are rarely drawn to the difficult path. Our natural bend is towards easy street. Can I ask you a personal question this morning? Have you gotten good at giving God excuses? God, I am not the right person for that. There are people who are better suited. God, I'm too young for that. I'm, I'm too old. God, I'm... I'm not ready. Not now, Lord. I've got some of my own plans, my own dreams. God, it'll ruin our relationship if we talk about you. It'll get awkward. God, you know what she did. You know what he said. I can't do that. Lord, I'm, I'm too afraid. Listen to what God told Jeremiah in verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you. See, the Lord told Jeremiah, I made you. I chose you. And then he says, I'm with you. 
Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, and he certainly did have his fair share. But he was also a great man of courage who faced countless trouble and trials and remained true to the Lord. Always anchored in this prophetic calling was the promise, I'm with you. He knew that the Lord was with him, just as we should know that the Lord is with us, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you, so we can claim with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not fear what man can do to me. The Lord told Jeremiah, I'm with you. Well, that changes everything, doesn't it? Knowing we're not alone, that God is with us, For a child, it's sometimes, it's just, it's just the finger of their father that will give them the confidence to cross that chaotic street. Because my father's with me. When we face our darkest nights, to know that we're not alone. When we've lost that job, I'm with you. When we've lost our loved one, I'm with you. When that relationship, the bond is broken, I'm with you. When you can only watch worship because you're not in a condition to attend worship, I'm with you. In the very valley of the shadow of death, God tells us, I'm with you. What a precious promise given to Jeremiah. What a precious promise for you and I as believers. Jeremiah, I created you. I I consecrated you. And I'll care for you. God's call of Jeremiah as a prophet was a message meant to motivate him for the task. We too should be motivated for what he's called us to, but even how much more motivated should we be? God speaks to us, I I made you, I chose you, I'm with you. But then he said so clearly, I love you. So much so that I would give my only son for you. Can you hear him say it? Can you hear it when the angry crowds mock his name? When they yell, crucify him. Can you hear it when he says, Father, forgive them. Every crash of the hammer into the nails speaks one thing. I love you. See, we can't truly comprehend the cross without hearing our calling. See, when we survey the wondrous cross, we see love so amazing, so divine, and truly demands our soul, our life, our all. Have we forgotten God's word to us? Have we forgotten there is a a calling over our life? Have we Have we realized what that kind of love leads us to? Could it be there are times in our lives where we've made our life's pursuit about our comfort and not his calling? 
Well, we know how Jeremiah's story ends. Jer- Jeremiah is one of Scripture's greatest example of faithfulness and action in the midst of a world that is literally falling down around him. We know how he dealt with this calling when God's word came to him, when this appointment came that day, when God said, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have appointed you this day. Sometimes when we have an appointment we really don't want or we feel like we just can't do, we find an excuse. We give way to fear, we don't show up. Let me ask you, will you show up for your appointment today? How will you respond when God says your name? When he speaks to you, I made you, I chose you, I'm with you. I love you. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this example of the prophet Jeremiah. God, we see in his story, in his narrative, our story, our calling. God, it is true. You have set us apart. This new day hasn't changed our calling. And when we return to school, when we go back to work tomorrow, when we pass that neighbor, God, you speak to us. I want to use you. You're here for a purpose. I've set you apart. God, help us to boldly, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of trial. God, to live out the calling that you have over our lives. We ask and we pray these things in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with me? This morning, I don't know how God may have spoken to your heart. Maybe today you want to accept the reality that that God has said to you, I love you, through the cross, through the death and resurrection of his son. Maybe today is the day you'll call him Lord. Here in a moment when the music plays, I, I pray that you come. Maybe today will be the day where you join this great church, First Baptist. Whatever God has laid on your heart, however he's spoken to you, Why don't you come when the music plays?
just a few words today of announcement. I want to remind all of our Sunday morning Bible study leaders for preschoolers, children, youth, or adults that next Sunday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, we're going to have our, our annual teacher training time. This is to prepare us for the new Sunday school year, which starts on the 19th. So teachers, if you're a teacher or a department director or maybe you're a class prayer leader, fellowship leader, something like that, we want every leader to be here. We're asking every leader to make that commitment to be here next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. We'll be in the fellowship hall and then dismissed to different rooms. We'll be here from four to six and that's such a big afternoon. We will not have any evening activities, no evening worship that night. That is next Sunday. So teachers remember that. This Sunday we are having evening worship. So I hope you'll be here tonight and uh, hear our mission reports from our mission teams. It's going to be a great time. You've been so helpful to take backpacks and and uh, teacher supply uh, request. And just a reminder that today is the day we need those back. In fact, tomorrow morning, we'll be hosting some teachers from Margaret Wills. We partner with them and they're gonna actually be right here on our campus for a little while. And we're gonna be able to present those, those uh, teacher bags to them. So we appreciate your help with them. Uh, it's about a month away, but just a, a reminder to boomers, we've had this in the reporter and you may have talked about it in Sunday School. Boomers are born between 46 and 64. The National Boomer Conference is in San Antonio this week. It's on the Riverwalk. There'll be great fellowship. They will be uh, great food, uh, shopping. Uh, we'll have a, and I think there's a conference in there somewhere. Uh, but if you are interested in going to that, please see me or please see Corky, and we will give you information about that, uh, joining with folks all across our state for that. One last word, and you're gonna like this. I think it's time for some of you to buy a new car. Your 2014 Cadillac has over 30,000 miles on it and that's just not acceptable or maybe it's your 1968 Ford Pinto and it's uh, just about time to replace the antenna or you're gonna have to uh, trade in that. Go, go get you a new car, really, just go do it. And when the salesman asks you, now what are you gonna do with your old car? Don't fall for that trade-in thing. You tell them, I'm gonna give it to the auto ministry at First Baptist Church. We've got folks all across town who are calling our church and saying, we've heard about the way you're helping people and we need some help. So you pray about it. If you've got an old vehicle, you don't have to go buy a new one today or tomorrow. You can buy it next week if you'd like, but <laughs> bring your old vehicles to us. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. Stand together for our benediction. Thank you, Brad powerful message, powerfully delivered, and we're grateful. Let's pray together. The same God who created, chose, and called Jeremiah. The same God has done the same for each one of us. And just as surely as Jeremiah had a work to do to advance the cause of his God. So, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.